0: Hi, ah, yes. Hello again, everybody. This is Cool Button, Uncensored Hockey Podcast, Season 1, already up to Episode 7. I'm Steve Cooley, so I'm with our good friend, Mr. Craig Button. Craig, I need advice. The Beer League team is in a big slump. Five losses in a row, 5-1 last night. I can't score. We can't defend. Thank God after the game, we can do
1: one thing well. You know what that is, my friend. What do we do? Should I ask for a trade? Well, do you want to be traded or do you like enjoying the group of players you're with? Sometimes it's not just about winning, Mr. Coolia. Sometimes it's just about the enjoyment you get out of playing. I mean, if you go in with realistic expectations that you might not win, because the way you're talking about your team, no passing, no scoring, no shooting, you're questioning some of the thought process on the ice. Everybody on the team might be looking for a trade. And you're, you you should be lucky you don't have a manager because I'm guessing the manager would be looking to trade you all, maybe even put you on waivers.
0: Except the goalie. We got good goaltending. Thank goodness. They're all listening right now, so they're going to think this. Oh, he comes out and asks for a trade via the podcast. That's the way it works. So I had to deal with the media after the game last night. Media. Boy, they can be tough, Hey, eh? They can be tough. I bet you they're tough in Montreal right now, Craig. I bet you, oh, they're, you tough. they're tough in Montreal. I, well, what's it like waking up in Montreal
1: 0-4? With three goals scored. Yes, by two people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I mean, what's it like? I mean, I mean, we, we talk about how the Canadians are a religion, uh, you know, in the province of Quebec. And, you know, it courses through the veins of, of, of people's – uh, human being, and you know it, it, it's something that people live for. They live for the Canadians. I mean, and so for them to watch their beloved Canadians perform at such a such a low level, I mean, I'll tell you what it's like. It, there's anger, and it's passionate anger. And Mark Bergeron comes out on Wednesday and has a press conference, and you know, okay, I I believe that managers should be talking a lot more than they do. But Mark felt it was important to come out, and I do too. When you have a passionate fan base and you have a paying fan base, they want to hear answers. And, you know, it doesn't all have to be uh, when things are going good. When things are not going good, you need to talk. And you need to spend time talking and conveying what what, what you're doing. And, hey, listen, whether you believe Mark Bergerman or not, that he has faith in the group or, you know, he's looking at things, whatever the commentary may be at any point in time, it's important to talk. Because if you don't, then, you know, that uh, that anger, that passion can uh, seep into other areas of, of your operation. Because I can tell you this, yep. Jeff Molson, the owner, he, he's got a brand here. The brand is called the Montreal Canadiens. Tell me what brand wants bad PR.
0: But the, the media was all aboard the playoff run and all aboard the changes and bringing in Mike Hoffman and, uh, having Jake Allen there just in case, and, you know, Romanov getting promoted. Like, they, they were on board, eh, to Toffoli with Suzuki and Confield and Gallagher on the third line. So a wise man once taught me it's never as good or as bad as you think. So they're, they're not as bad as this, you know. They knew Shea Weber wasn't going to play, and in theory, Kerry's going to play. He's just not playing right now, and he's got other issues that we support him on. And if he returns at U.S. Thanksgiving or middle of November – you know, he might come in and kind of save the season if that's the case right now. But when guys have talent and you believe, I know you believe in Suzuki, you believe in Caulfield, you believe in Tofoli, Dvorak was a good turn on Kotkaniemi and all that stuff. So, you know, if this was an 0-4 slump in the middle of January, oh, 0-4, oh, no, not even a point yet. You know, it's not 0-2-2. It's its different. I, I got to think they're too good to be this bad. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to make the playoffs. It just says to me, what are they doing to create offense? We talked about this before. They just signed Dominic Ducharme. So his job can't be on the line. Mark Bergevin has done some good things there. I know he doesn't have a contract. Is it really this big of a mess, or do we have to give them some honest time to work themselves out of this?
1: I'll answer the question, uh, the second question first. Give them time. Here's the problem in the NHL. You're not afforded time. You you start falling behind. I mean, the Montreal Canadiens are 0-4 with three goals scored. They play the Carolina Hurricanes on a Thursday night. They have Washington on a Saturday before they go on the road to Seattle and into California. So, you know, you're 0-4, and, and now you got two tough games coming up against Carolina and Washington. Okay. So what, what do you do? You, you got to make up ground. The league is too tight. The league is too close. So to me, you you have to address it. Does that mean you panic? No, I don't think you should be panicked. But why don't we go back in time, Steve? Why don't we go back in time a little bit? So going into the playoffs last year, and after four games against the Toronto Maple Leafs, what was the level of belief in the Montreal Canadiens? If it wasn't zero, right, okay, it was, it was close to zero without it being zero. Yep. And, and then you look, say, for the first three weeks last year, first three weeks of the season when they were lights out great, right? Okay, And, and after the first four games, what, what were the Montreal Canadiens? You, you, they, they had all those players. They had deno They had Kotkinemi. They had all these players. They had Weber. They had Price. <laughs> they weren't very good, Steve. That's the bottom line. They weren't very good. And so maybe, just maybe, yes. you know, I've called it this. You've heard me call it this, because I was part of something like this in 1991 with the Minnesota North Stars. I call it the magical mystery tour. It's magical when you get a run in the playoffs. It's magical where you all of a sudden show up in the Stanley Cup final and you go, I can't believe that we're playing for the Stanley Cup but it's a mystery because you have really no understanding of how this all came together. It's not that they didn't play well. I'm not going to suggest that they, they weren't playing well, but it's a mystery how it all came together. Bob Ganey, after we lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins in 1991, our assistant coaches were Andy Murray and Doug Jarvis. Bob Clark was our general manager. And we're sitting around after the, uh, after the uh, series and we're just, you know, having the regular management coaching talk. And this discussion around the table was, well, yeah, you know, Montreal gave us this kind of challenge and this is where they really exploited us. We were up 2-1 in that series. 2-1. Against no, the I, I, I couldn't, go to, the I couldn't go to games. bed. I couldn't go to bed when you guys were up 2-1, just so yeah. you know that. Okay. I couldn't go to bed. There you go. So now we're sitting there talking about how we, I remember Bob Ganey, he just puts up his finger. That's how he used to get people's attention. He would kind of put it up there. And and then Bob Clark goes, yes, Bob, what do you have to say? He goes, We didn't have a very good regular season. We better figure out how to have a better regular season before we start dissecting, you know, what went wrong against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Because if we don't have better regular seasons, this isn't going to happen ever again. That's the Montreal Canadiens. That's reality. And they better get a reality check because the playoffs were a magical mystery tour. Enjoy it. This team isn't very good. And and you talk about offense, they're a one-trick pony when it comes to offense, and that's on the coach. So I know Dominic Ducharme has been set up, you know, with a long, higher contract and everything. He needs to examine how they create offense. Remember last year, Steve, when Alex Burroughs came in? Remember all the accolades? Oh, Alex Burroughs is going to turn around this power play. The power play stinks. How come nobody's saying how bad the power play is with Alex Burroughs now? You know what we're too quick to do? We're way too quick to start giving – uh, roses and bouquets based on very short, uh, you know, results. We do it all the time. Manny Mahalcher in Toronto. Remember, he came in. Oh, he's going to turn around the power play. First month, it was great. Second month, it was pretty good. By the end, in the playoffs, it was atrocious. And you know, Manny Maholter is not running the power play anymore. Yeah. But but yeah. but we all hear about how great every everybody. Let's just wait and evaluate over time. Montreal Canadiens are not very good and. The way they try to create offense, poor. That's the coach. Well, this would then be three
0: regular seasons in the bubble, 24th overall, last year, 18th overall in this season. So three magical mystery tour playoffs are probably not in the cards because they probably won't be there this year. But the warning signs, what you're saying, were already there. And then where do they go from here? people are talking about Shane Wright in Montreal. They're not Arizona, Montreal. I like to think that they're still better than Buffalo. They've got a nice, you know, you know when you sit by the campfire and everyone wants to toast marshmallows and sing songs and tell ghost stories, you, you know, the, the woods crackling and everything else. I think in <laughs> Buffalo, it's a paper fire. And uh, I like the start and I love what they've done so far. And God bless Craig Anderson. Like God bless Craig Anderson and Tate Thompson. Jeff Skinner scoring, that's got to be good. So when he scores, you got to win. But this division with Montreal, Tampa losing Kucherov, the Sabres, the Red Wings have a little bit of a buzz, uh, good for Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider. So it's Florida the class of this division. It's a sexy division. I think the Metro gets a lot of chitter-chatter, which is good. Our Florida is Florida for real. What Bill Zito has done – Nobody wanted Carter Verhagey. Look what he's doing. Nobody wanted Sam Bennett. Look what he's doing. Bob's off to a good start. So you're not buying Vegas, which makes you look kind of good as a portfolio manager on Vegas right now. Uh, Are you buying South Florida hockey stock?
1: I have to clarify on Vegas. I'm not buying Vegas as a Stanley Cup contender. Okay. That's all. I like the Vegas team. I don't want any, I don't want there to be any confusion. Florida. Yeah. I like Florida. I like the way they play. I mean, first of all, the coach is, is one, uh, one of the best in the game, if not the best in the game. I mean, I think you have to put Trotz and Cooper in that, that category. Mike Sullivan belongs in that category, but you're talking about right there. Goaltending. They play hard. They play with skill. They play with a lot of uh, intelligence. I did not just describe your, uh, your, your beer league team. no. <laughs> <laughs> but when you look at, at at how they play, what type of game are they not comfortable playing? They can play in a fast game. They can play in a high skilled game. They can play in a rugged, heavy game. And not only can they play in it, it's not just about, play. they can dictate those types of games. They can dictate those types of games. That's a team that is dangerous. I see them as a as, as one of the four Stanley Cup contenders, the top four, what I call, uh, you, you know, the sweet spot. Colorado hasn't played well. They're one of them. But the way they play, I mean, you have Barkov, you know. Yeah, and, and let's just look back. You know, they got Wenberg down there last year after being bought out in uh, Columbus. Had mm-hmm. a fantastic year. Now he goes off to uh, Seattle. You know, it's not, just, you, it's not just the players that are left behind. You know, when you get players on your team, Steve, you know, what you want to do is, is you, you want to understand what are their, what's their skill set, what can they do, and as a coach, how can I put those players in the best positions to succeed? That's what Joel Quenville does. That's why you see players, you know, uh, sometimes uh, not perform at the level. They get miscast. They get put into situations they can't handle. They have coaches that don't understand what their strengths are. And, you know, so when I look at Joel Quenville and I watch everything that's happening down there, I, I Sam Bennett, Sam Bennett had had run the had run the gambit in, in Calgary. He he had just run it, and you know I'm watching him. I'd watched Sam for a long time. He was Connor McDavid's left winger with the Marlies. You know I I love Sam, and it just looked like oh boy he's not gonna he's not gonna be anything more than a third line player. Oh yeah he is. He's gonna be more than a third line player. <laughs> but Joel Quenneville looked and tapped into it. So I'm in. I'm in on on uh, on Florida. The goaltending. What a duel, Bob. A night on a on an entry level contract, perfect, right? Aaron Ekblad, really good defense. Mackenzie Wieger, really good defenseman. I mean, you start looking at the forward group, oh, they're no fun to play against, Steve. They're no they didn't fun have to a, play against. They didn't have
0: Ekblad in the playoffs last year.
1: So. I know they did, and they I, didn't I, have I,
0: goaltending in the playoffs last year either. Bobrovsky gets a second chance. Drieger tried, so this is an upgrade. And down the middle, then with Barkov. Bennett that everybody could have had for nothing, but Bill Zito got him. And then Anton Lundell, who had a big game the other night. A lot of first-year players scored their first goals this week. So give us a little scouting report on this kid. Is this is this a good slot for him to start? You know, he comes heavily touted. A lot of people probably don't even know about him. We're talking about depth. Now we, we talk about your teams, right? We talked about strength in Dallas down the middle or Detroit with Eisman, and Federa. All these teams, look at those Penguins in 09 when Stahl was the third line center, etc. So now you got Bennett at two, hopefully not taking bad penalties. Lindell at three with Barkov at one with Verhage, Tippett's coming along. Sam Reinhardt can play anywhere up and down the lineup that you want. You know, there there's a lot to like here that you've mentioned. And Lindell could be a wild if that, if the matchup is he's the third liner and he's really better than that. What do you like about him? What do you expect from him this season?
1: Well, Anton Lundell was a was a very good player in the SM Liga, which is the Finnish pro league, last year before being drafted. I think with with Anton, it was about you know what do you project him to be? Smart player, uh, you know understands. You know how how to how to play in different areas of the game. You know the offense might not be prolific, and when I say not prolific, we're not talking about a seventy-five point player. We're probably talking more in the forty-five to fifty point range. But those players are important, as you point out. But when you start off, when you start off with a superstar at center ice, a superstar and Sasha Barkov. Everybody else slots in nicely behind. Everybody does. You, you don't think Ryan Nugent Hopkins doesn't settle in nicely behind Connor McDavid? <laughs> you know, I mean, the luxury that Dave Tippett has to put Ryan Nugent Hopkins, you know, back into the middle because he can put dry sidle up on left wing because now he's got Hyman and Fogel. Oh, boy. You know, well, what coach isn't just licking his chops and going, oh, this is going to be so much fun. And it has been fun in Edmonton. So a young player in Anton Lundell comes in, Again, you don't have to put him in situations he's not ready to handle. Put him in the third line. He's responsible. He's smart. He gets it. He's competitive. And he can watch and learn from his fellow, fellow countrymen, Sasha Barkov. And, and that's part of learning, too. I mean, and up the middle of the ice, I mean, different styles of players. You know, Lundell's got size, and he's thick, and he, he gets invested in the real heavy and hard areas of the game. He's going to hold his own because he's more physically mature than a lot of first-year players coming you know, from the draft. It's a good team, Steve. Uh, I, I don't know what else I can tell you. They're a good team that not only can play it any way you want, they can dictate it any way you want. That's a significant difference. It's a distinction. Some teams are oh, yeah, we can play that. We can survive it. This team can enjoy playing any way they want.
0: Behind Ekblad and Weger is Gudis Forsling, Montour, Nutavaro when he's healthy. Is that is that good enough or is that a possible weakness? You can always add somebody by the dry, uh, by the deadline. So depth, let's just say on the blue line, if we like everything else about the team, no team is perfect. It's not the 76, 77 Montreal Canadian. So um, before we find out where Tampa is in this division without Kucherov, is that what you would circle? And Bill Zito knows, okay, you know what? You know, we saw when teams went out and got Bogosian or Shen for depth and, you know, what does Scotty Bowman say? You can never have enough defensemen. And say, I want 10 going into the playoffs. So if it's going to be hard. It's going to be long. It's going to be deep. It's going to be heavy. You know, I'm just looking at these guys saying like, I like Goodis as a five, six, not a three, four. Is that an area of improvement? Maybe not in October, but by the time we get to April and then May.
1: Well, Gudis is a five or six because he plays behind Eckblad and Weger. So, you know, he's not going to play those prime minutes. And, you know, Brandon Montour is a pretty good player. Uh, you know, he, he's a different type of player than Wieger and Ekblad. And again, you got a little bit of a blend. Gu- Gustav Forsling might be a lowercase Schalmerson. And, you know, look at what uh, Nicholas Shalmerson did for the Chicago Blackhawks and Joel Quenville. So just because they're not household names doesn't mean they can't contribute and be real good, strong players. And that being said, Joel Quenville, again, he he, he I, I know what he wants in defenseman. Three things, get to a puck quickly, make a decision quickly, and then execute it quickly. Those are the three things he looks for in defensemen. And if you can't do those things, doesn't matter how well you skate, doesn't matter how hard you shoot the puck, you're going to have problems playing for uh, Joe Quentin. And I look at those defensemen, they can get to a puck quick, they can make a decision quick on what play needs to make, and they can execute it. So it's October, Steve. I'm not worried about any weakness right now. You're going to have lots of time to evaluate what opportunities uh, uh, arise to strengthen your team. Because you don't even know what opportunities are there right now to strengthen your team. You might love your blue line. And then all of a sudden, like this player becomes available. Oh, we better consider this because he gives us a different look and a different element. So that's the way I look at it, Steve, in that regard. So this is a team that's good. We don't have to start poking holes in it yet. Well, there's a big hole in
0: Tampa's lineup. So Kucherov out again. They finished third without him last year in a division that's different than this one. I got to think there's a drop from one for sure. So two, three, and four. Is it in any order, Toronto, Boston, Tampa? If if one of them finishes fourth, are they in trouble of making the playoffs? You know, I still like Tampa, but now we're talking about Five guys gone, three from the third line, Johnson, Kucherov from last year, and guys have to be slotted differently. So, you know, it's not a 56-game loss, but it's got to be a loss, and it's got to be a loss in the standings, doesn't it? Doesn't it have to be a loss in the standings that the two-spot, if Florida is one, um, Toronto, Boston, Tampa are fighting for two, three, four. And remember, four is no guarantee. Three is a ticket to the dance. Two, of course, is home ice in the first round, no matter what. So there's drama here. There's drama in Montreal. (laughs) There's drama in Montreal, (laughs) right? I like the drama. There's drama.
1: There is no not comedy, drama. Craig. You're laughing. There's drama <laughs> the, in the, the division. Man, You know what? This is comedic drama. There's no drama in Tampa Bay. Listen, they got the best goaltender on the planet. Okay. And they got You're not defense. telling me they're gonna fall? You're not
0: telling you they can oh. still finish second.
1: They might still be able to finish first. Okay. I, well, Steve, we're, how many games are we into the
0: season? There's a whole. You just told season. me how great Florida was. You're waxing on the poetic about Florida I, and
1: Joel Quenville. You're, really you're, right? you're comparing Tampa Bay to Montreal drama. There's no drama. They got the best goaltender in the league. Their defense. They got everybody back on the blue line. You know they have they have five of their top six forwards. Stamkos is flying right. Yeah, there's going to be an adjustment. I just talked about Joel Quenville. John Cooper, Joe Quenville, Mike Sullivan, you know, they're they're the best coaches in the game. That's where it's at. I'm not worried about the Tampa Bay Lightning one bit. Not one bit. Because they didn't look very good when Kucherov was in the lineup, you know, early on in the season. So can they finish first? Yeah, they can finish first. Are they going to finish out of the playoffs? Not a chance. Book it.
0: Well, I think they've already missed Kucherov in the game against Florida on the power play, where they were obviously missing that spot and hole from the right wing circle. So, 56 and they missed games
1: last year. They didn't play a game. Yeah,
0: they had some dogs in the division last year,
1: like Florida and Carolina. Yeah, they were dogs. No, already.
0: that's it. So, they finished third behind two teams that were better than them in the, in the regular season.
1: Like I said, they're in the playoffs bucket. Well, I'm not saying they're not going to be. I'm you saying did. That. You said, whoa, they might not be. No, doesn't, it doesn't guarantee it a spot. It doesn't. It. Better, yeah, I didn't say that. I know. I know what it, it doesn't guarantee a spot. I said the Tampa Bay Lightning will be in the playoffs. Book it. You can do all the drama you want. You can even dress up in a costume as we're nearing Halloween here. I don't know. what. What are you dressing up as this year?
0: I want to go like Scotty Bowman. I want to be a champion. I want to be, I'm going to dress like him in 77, 78 and go behind the bench. Or maybe Toe Blake. I'll wear one of those fedoras, are they called? I always wanted to wear a fedora. I always thought when I got older, if I lost all of my feathers, I'd walk around looking like Dick Beddoes and the guys from the 50s.
1: I like that. I'm I'm stagnant. I'm stagnant. I need a new look. It's it's not too late. Start now. (laughs) Start today. Go shopping. And listen, I, I, was, I, I always laugh, like, you know, the old Windsor Arena. And when I lived in Ann Arbor, Michigan, you know, it was, it was a home game for me at the old Windsor Arena. And they had a great, great fan base in there. And uh, it was Halloween. It was Halloween night. And uh, I used to sit up in this one corner with some of the diehards. Great, just great fans. And we always used to chat and talk. And the one guy had a real, real, he was really funny. So I forget who the team was, but he yells at the goalie on the other team. He stands up. The building's quiet. He yells at the goalie, whatever the name is. This let's say his name's Steve. He goes, hey, Steve. He goes, nice costume, dressing up as a goalie on Halloween.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I guess Steve had a bad night.
1: Steve wasn't very good. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I want to know what your costume is?
0: uh, I'm not sure, actually, to be honest with you.
1: Fedora. I, I think you should go out on Fedora. You, you you should go out as Dick Bettles.
0: Yeah, maybe I could. And then I can't say where Wayne would be on the forty seven Leafs. Although Dick <laughs> said that. That's a past episode. If you if you missed the first six, uh, go back, go back. Because I'm I'm moving forward. As are the Rangers. Are they already in cap problems for next year? What is Fox going to get? And am I if I'm a defenseman? Remember they used to say, kids, have your Little one grew up to be a left-handed pitcher because he'll always find a spot for them in the majors. Kids, have a defenseman, and if they're in this tax bracket or in this ice time in the NHL, you're going to get nine and a half. You're going to get, you know, Nurse and McAvoy. And I almost feel Miro Haskin in at 8.45 is underpaid. McCarr's only getting nine. If I was a – Craig, if I was a GM in your spot, I would say, hang on a second, McCarr's got nine. So you come back with a number that is less than nine, but McAvoy got nine and a half. These other guys. So Morgan Riley's going to be available. You know, nine was the, you know, that's what Dougie Hamilton got. So Fox is probably going to say, well, I'm nine and a half or I want the Norris. I want 10. And then the Rangers are going to say, we're going to oh, $18 million on the blue line. Maybe we should have kept Pionk instead of going after Jacob. I mean, you start adding the numbers. They've signed Panarin big money. Zibanejad had big money. Strom could then be gone. When Hedo went up, when Strom was hurt, the Rangers had a hole in the second-line center spot. Panarin was invisible for a couple of periods. A small sample size, but that's strength down the middle. And then we get in trouble at 82.5 next year. Will the Rangers be in trouble
1: already? They traded Butchnevich for the same reason, Craig. Hey, at the end of the day, I mean, I, 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 I get comic relief, Steve. I do. I get lots of comic relief. When I, when I pick up different articles, or whatever, what will, what will Adam Fox's next contract look like? <laughs> like, really? Like, like, do, do they think he just came out of the wilderness and he's an unknown player and like, this is really Steve, he's going to, it's going to be nine and a half. It's going to be nine. McCarr. Could it be 10? Yeah. It's not very hard to figure out what Adam Fox's next contract's going to be. So let's just stop that silly talk, right? Like people are talking like, it's going to be this. You know what it's going to be for the New York Rangers? Hard decisions. Simple as that. You can't keep everybody. You know what? We've talked about the cap. We've talked about the the budget. So you can go any way you want. You got to figure out. Okay, we do this. It's going to leave us weak here. If we do that, it's going to leave us weak here. We, we can talk all we want about Ryan Strom and everything. Bottom line is, you got to make hard decisions. You got to. There's no other way to do it. The Tampa Bay Lightning just did that. They just did it. Now, obviously, they're coming off a of Stanley Cup. And so I, I don't know if it's any easier to do it coming off a of Stanley Cup or, or, or more difficult. All I know is, is you have to make them. And so for the New York Rangers, these are decisions you have to make. And guess what? There's going to be players that aren't going to be there any longer. And are they going to be weaker in a certain position? Probably. Well, guess what the manager's job is, Steve? It's to find a way to mitigate against losses and to keep your team competitive and strong. That's the manager's job. but I hear how hard it is. You're right. It's hard. And if you can't do the job, I'll get somebody that can. Simple as that. That's how management works. Well,
0: I think the Rangers already are worse without Butchnevich. It's already hurt them. It's already.
1: They couldn't keep them. I know.
0: Keep them. No, I know. I'm just saying they're, they're, they're already worse. And this is the way spreading the wealth around. I'm not advocating for a luxury tax. We talked about that last week. I'm just saying they're going to have to make decisions and they've got two kids already in the lineup on entry-level contracts. And then when one of them gets hurt, then you're hurting. And that's that's just the – nobody's going to feel sorry for you. They're going to say, too bad. We've had injury problems too. Look at the Blackhawks. They've never recovered from winning the third cup. Speaking of, you know, Joel and what was there before him and Dale Talon still doesn't get probably enough credit for helping build that club. And now this year the hype, the Hawks, the Hawks, the Hawks – Mark andre Fleury is in front of maybe the worst defense he's been in front of since he came into the league. They can't do anything in front of him. Kane has one point at even strength. Tavis doesn't have a point yet. Tyler Johnson started on the first line. He's down to the fourth line. There are so many dash fives and sixes. You think we're after two rounds at the Masters right now with Chicago. Were you big on the Hawks going into the year? Because right now the only point they have are two Six-on-four, six-on-five goals with their own net empty to get a point against the Devils. That is it to start the season. Montreal's oh, no. got
1: their issues. I'm Chicago and the Chicago Blackhawks are not very good. Again, I'll go back. Uh, you, know what? you know what makes up good teams? Good players. They don't have enough good players. You don't like the it and Kane and Tate. Oh, wait a second. And I, said, I, I said enough. Jones. I said enough. Keep going. Every Every team has five or six, seven good players. Like the bottom line is, is start naming me who they have after that. Well, I like
0: Brandon Hagel.
1: Well, good. Like Brandon Hagel. <laughs> good.
0: Good. Then if we're you like, yeah,
1: I didn't say you didn't like them. Bottom line is don't start telling me. they're not, and, and you know what? Poor defensively. Okay. When do we start? When, when does Jeremy Colton take responsibility for that? The, the, the Chicago Blackhawks have a fundamental flaw, a fundamental flaw that isn't it. going to change until they they change the makeup of their team. And that flaw is if they try to play one way, they can't be really successful playing that way, and they're really vulnerable in other areas. If they try to switch and try to clean up the vulnerable areas and say we're going to really play good, I'll give you an example. You want to be really good offensively? Okay, we'll, we'll unleash you offensively. That makes them even worse defensively. If they want to be really good defensively to clean up the defensive part, they can't score. That's a fundamentally flawed team. That when they start switching their focus from one area to another, it leaves big holes in other areas of their team. You know what Scotty Bowen would say? No good. No good. They're no good. <laughs> well, Jeremy Calton
0: got booed at the home opener. Oh. If, if he if, if he's getting the finger pointed at him, and that comes to the territory, what about his boss? Who built? I mean, what
1: about? Well, I mean, so I, I just said about the team. Where, where do you look? The players didn't put the team together. The manager did. Like I know where the responsibility goes, Steve. Like, you, you, you don't have to hit me over the head, and I'll let you know. that the home opener in nineteen ninety-five at Joe Louis Arena, Scotty Bowman got booed too. That mm. was after losing four straight games to the New Jersey Devils in the lockout-shortened ninety-four 94-95 season. But that mm. had a different, they booed him for a different reason. That was the summer of the talk about Steve Eisman being traded.
0: Right. Which may or may not have been true. Might have just been,
1: uh, well, that's there, a story. There was, lots of, there was lots of talk out there. i just telling you. So if Jeremy Coulston he better not have his nose bent out of shape about being booed at the home opener because the greatest coach of all time got booed at a, at a home opener after losing in the Stanley Cup final.
0: Yeah, he got Scott Niedermeyer. Remember that goal when he went right in, yeah. shot it, missed the net, scored and the tough handshake for Scotty was probably was Jacques. You know, hi, congratulations. Yeah, there you go. But my student is now the professor and we win the Stanley Cup. Um, but that's great information about him getting booed. Did you see Shifley and Kyle Connor put themselves offside on an empty net goal. The, the Jets had the game locked up. Uh, it's not so much about the rule; it's about attention to detail. Uh, I thought of Mario right away. Kyle Connor passes to Shifley. Mario always with that reach, gain the line, gain the line first to make sure nobody's offside. Empty net or not empty net. Shifley almost goes feet first. Kyle Connor just has to stop stop. They review it. Oh my goodness. And the Jets discombobulate in a game, both goalies discombobulated for entertainment. The six, five Minnesota over Winnipeg. I would go back and rewatch that game because it was where we're at in skill, but to watch that play. And you think to yourselves, they're millionaires, they're men, they're skilled. Kyle Connor might score 50. Shifley's great. If I'm Paul Maurice, I'm, I'm doing a slow burn. Like, how does this happen? How does this happen? If I didn't see it live, Craig, I almost wouldn't have believed it. It was one of the wow moments of this week in the NHL.
1: Okay, so let me ask you this, my friend. Okay. Do you stay onside or go offside? If you're who? Uh, No, I did. Like, somebody has to go offside, right? Yeah. Somebody has to, and other players have to stay onside. This isn't on Shifley. Like, you know, Mario had a theory about getting the puck over the line. Scotty Bowman, well, geez, we're on a Scotty Bowman topic here. His, what he used to impress upon players, it's yeah. your job to stay onside. Kyle Connor made the miss. It was lazy. Okay. So they get away with it, right? So they get away with that. They have all that time off, right? And now the, the and Minnesota's coming. Is there a reason you can tell me why Kyle Connor, I know why Kyle Connor was on the ice. Because Paul Maurice was interested. It was like trick or treat, trick or treat. He wanted to get Kyle Connor the hat trick. Okay. So now you, you don't get the empty net goal. Kyle Connor comes up. Why isn't Adam Lowry on the ice? Why isn't Adam Lowry on the ice? Neil Peon takes a, 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 a hooking penalty on the hands, right? Takes a hooking penalty on the hands. Detail. Who you have on the ice. You want to get your players the cookies? I get it. That's nice. Well, it didn't work. Now you better get somebody else that's going to help you get the win. Because Kyle Connors not very good defensively. So I know why Kyle Connor was on the ice, right? Okay, so now the Minnesota Wild tie it up. And then what happens? Josh Morrissey, Kaprizov is 60 feet away from the net, and Josh Morrissey's holding them at the blue line. He's not dangerous. Details. Where do the details go? Where does the responsibility for details go? On the coach. Oh, yes, sir, my friend. So – Entertaining game. Great stuff. That's a really good team. Some of the details that have been lacking in the Winnipeg Jets game still lack at some point in time. You know, if you want to be a contender, you better get those details in play, in place. And they weren't in place in that game from who's on the ice, you know, in a one. Because remember, it was 5-4. Neil Peon took the penalty that led to the fourth goal.
0: Yeah. And, the, I mean, they were 5-3. and. I'm, I wasn't yeah. going to go over all of it, but at 5 3, it should be over. Okay. You give up the 5 4 1. You got the empty netter. Okay. You still have a buck 14 and the faceoffs outside their blue line. They got to put their goalie back in. I mean, I wouldn't, but they did. They scored. You still can't kill 74 seconds and they want to be a contender.
1: So details, Steve, details. You cannot, I mean, Neil Pion cannot take that penalty on the hands. Can't you? Like, bottom line, that's a detail. Josh Morrissey cannot take that penalty in overtime. Detail coach, I get why you had Kyle Connor on. I get it. Let's look, let's all great. If he gets the hat trick, great. Guess what? That is not focused on details.
0: The details are out on the Evander Kane situation 21 games, COVID related mess he put himself in. And I guess the good news is the stuff with his estranged wife, there's no proof according to the National Hockey League. So is he played his last game as a shark? There's a weird, I guess it's weird isn't the right word. There's a vibe. So, what vibe are you feeling? What vibe do you think Logan Couture and the Sharks and Bob Bugner are are giving us as it relates to going with Eklund and, and Alf Dahlin's kid, Jonathan, who had two goals the other night? Have they turned the page?
1: Steve, there's three things that I would say here about Evander Kane. So number one, Evander Kane in Atlanta, Evander Kane in Winnipeg, Evander Kane in Buffalo and Evander Kane with the San Jose Sharks. You know, there seems to be issues that have followed him around and and not seems there have been. And what's the common denominator in all of this? It is Evander Kane. So Evander Kane can't just talk about, oh, geez, this has happened and I can't believe this has happened. He is that common denominator. And until he wants to take a good, long, hard look and say, you know what? I'm responsible here. I'm the one that has to take responsibility for these actions. And I'm the one that's going to have to reconcile these things. Things are not going to move forward. Now, let's go on to the San Jose Sharks, point number two. Bob Boogner in his, in his Interview when asked about he goes, Well, ownership and management will uh will make those decisions and then it will trickle down to us, and then we'll determine based on what they've done, you know, on on how we on on, on how we handle it. Wow. Like, you know, when have you ever heard a coach talk about a talented player and say, Well, you know, we're disappointed and we, you know, we're gonna miss them, but we're gonna welcome them back. Oh, ownership and management. Logan Couture, when asked about when asked about uh, Evander Kane, and specifically, have you talked to Evander Kane? Those no, I haven't talked to Evander Kane, and I don't know of any player on our team that has talked to Evander Kane. Wow. What? Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, so, so that's point number two. Point number three is this. Okay, is that you have a player in Evander Kane? He's got a contract. We know you can't do it, right? But they don't have to. They can pay him and not have him be around. You know what it's called? It's called dismissal with, uh, uh, with, w- without cause. You 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 can dismiss any employee. It doesn't mean you have to have them be around your team. You have to pay them, right? So they can pay them, right? I can only tell you this, Steve, is that Evander Kane and reading his statements and his intentions. I I don't care about words anymore, Evander. Your actions, and it's not just your actions. It's about it's it's about being a player that can be somebody that, that that can not only contribute to the team on the ice, but can also, you know, not create problems, not create unnecessary problems. I mean, what he did in in, in terms of violating the, the COVID protocol, that was a conscious decision. This isn't about a mistake here, a mistake there. And I, I I want players to be their own people. I, I, I don't want them to, 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 to fit in and get, you have to be this just because of that. But, to be part of a team, you have to be able to, to be reliable, to be counted upon, to to do what you want. And when I hear those comments from the players and from, not the players, from Logan Couture, that is, that is, a, for, it's not for me. That should be something for Evander Kane where he has to look and say, I have some real significant work to do here. Because I, I don't have any doubt Evander Kane loves playing hockey. I know that he's really good at playing hockey, but he's got to really examine his place in this and what he's going to do to to say, you know what, heard you got it, and I'm going to show you through my actions because that's all that matters now for me.
0: Well, let's end on a happy note. I was really happy with the way the game was officiated. Ducks and Oilers this week. Great game, not just because I think McDavid's a, you know, a stepchild of mine and him and Dreisaitl went off. They called what they saw. And the penalties were 6 1 power plays. On one play, both arms went up. They called two penalties. The marble theory we talk about call what's in front of you, evening the game. I just loved it. And all the people always just criticize and poo poo. Like always they want perfection from the referees, but never once give credit when things are going well. I love how the game is called 50 games in right now. I love the scoring. I love how there's hardly any cross checks. Oh, well, that's interesting. Adapting of the players, as you've alluded to before, and calling, hey, if you if you take six penalties, the other team takes one. I'm I'm not evening this thing out. I love that this week, Craig. I loved it.
1: As you should. And you know what I loved? What? I love episode seven of the Cool Button Uncensored Hockey Podcast. And for Steve Coollius, I'm Craig Button. We're gonna talk again next Monday. And you know what? It games to be played, days done full. We'll be talking about them. See you then.
0: Come on, Beer League team. Let's go.